Hey, welcome back to another episode of Rambling with Ryu. On this episode, we're going to talk to one of our all-star clients, Marvin. We also call him The Beast. And we're going to talk about, you know, going back to work and what that looks like after a spinal cord injury. So we'll welcome first Nancy, the other half of Ryu. <laughs> hey, guys. And we welcome Marvin to our uh, podcast here. So Marvin, I'll get, just get you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you. Okay. Well, I'm, my name is Marvin Bike. been going to Ryu for close to three years, shortly after I was in an accident and had a spinal cord injury. 50-year-old male. <laughs> Pretty average. <laughs> Why don't you tell us your story from the beginning? So uh, what was your line of work before your spinal cord injury? I was self-employed as a, a construction contractor. I did renovations and decks, fences, developed basements, kind of anything and everything. A little bit of equipment work had skid steers and a backhoe and stuff. And then three years ago, May long weekend, we were out camping in one of our favorite spots out in the mountains. And we had a side-by-side -side ATV and I just went looking for wood after a day of sun tanning by a, a creek in the mountains. And the steering failed. The resulting rollover dislocated my spine among some other injuries and give me a T10, T11 dislocation with a spinal cord compression and essentially shut me off from the hips little bit above the hips down. Wow, that's crazy. So what was your experience from the time of like you you got rolled over by an ATV, now you're lying there, then what happened? Well, the next few days, I really don't have an actual memory of it was, this is all just what I was told. I guess I was I was awake and laughing and moaning, <laughs> you know, telling, telling stories and entertaining everybody that come to help. We had an ambulance respond within about an hour, took me carefully to a small town and there where stars picked me up and took me to a medevac and flew me to Edmonton. So from, it was heard at 6 p.m. on sun, uh, Saturday night, um, Sunday morning at 10 a.m. I was in surgery. So it was oh. fairly rapid. Mm -hmm. And then I woke up, I believe two days, maybe three days later in the U of A hospital kind of came to and started to figure out who I was and where I was. And it all wasn't a dream, all these scenes and things that were rolling through your mind. Spent basically two weeks in Edmonton, U of A. Then got transferred back to Grand Prairie to await a spot at the Glenrose Hospital. Was initially told it was going to be about 12 to 15 weeks and managed to get lucky. They needed someone or had a room for someone who was didn't really require as much work as some spinal cord injuries need, you know, very, demand, very demanding on, on the system where they felt I was, you know, doing okay and would be a, you know, a, a reasonable fit for what they had open. So I got to go in two weeks. So I got started fairly quickly with the Glenrose. Okay. Going back to your surgery, uh, you know, did they put any rods and stuff in or what did they do for you? Well, it, I apparently I got fairly lucky. Um, it was a Dr. Huang from, was a, called the locum, I believe, where they come in from, he was from Vancouver. And I required plates. So I got two six-screw plates and they did it arthroscopically, like just small holes. They didn't split me wide open across the back, okay. which was really, really nice because I saw some people that had the very invasive surgery. And it, it looked like it was a bit of an obstacle to heal from that on top of everything else. Yeah, it's definitely no easy feat, that's for sure. No, no. So the other injuries, I had broken ribs and a crushed sternum and a brain bleed and punctured lung. And that all healed fairly quickly. 
I was in the Glen Rose for, I believe it was six weeks. Okay. And by then I had passed all the courses I could, the driving courses and wheelchair courses. And so I got let out and went home. Cool. So what was that journey like? What was it like to go home and where is home for you and how did you get there? Well, home is Grand Prairie, so about four and a half hours north of Edmonton. Uh, scary. <laughs> so many unknowns. It's really hard to describe unless someone's you know, been through it. And I'm assuming a lot of people that have that are listening to this have been through something similar. But uh, so many unknowns. So, you know, coming home to a familiar place, at the time we had two homes. Wendy had a house in a town close to me, and I had kept my house. We hadn't really moved in together yet. We used to just bounce back and forth between two houses. So my house was going to be tricky to make accessible, and hers was by far more friendly. So we sold my house and made her house more, um, you know, put the ramps and everything, got it ready to go, and then came home and tried to figure things out. Cool. So what was the relationship like with your, well, I guess you were self-employed before your injury, right? Yes. So then what happened with that? Like, did that business keep going or like, did you have to fold it? What happened? It basically went on hiatus for six months and then tried to do it. But I always was a hands-on guy. I, I did the work myself and I had two or three guys work for me, depending if how busy I, I was. If sometimes it was one guy, sometimes it was two or three. But I was always on the site. Like I've worked with my hands doing everything since I was 17. And it really wasn't quite the same thing to try and do what I was doing and subcontracting all the all the work out. So I did a little bit, dabbled, you know, for a year and a half like that, and then decided I just, it's time to quit wasting time and get, get productive again. And I think there's as much therapy in that for, you know, mental value as than there is for financial reasons and just everything else. Definitely. Okay, so we're going to go backwards a little bit back to your into your story. When in your recovery did you start coming to us to read? I was actually still an inpatient at the Glen Rose Hospital when I did my assessment with, with you and Nancy. And because everything, it seemed like, I don't know, a lot of the people you meet that had been hurt had been in the hospital for months and months and months and different mental states of everybody. Some had seemed like they'd given up and others were just trying to do the, the best they could and but it seemed like everything for me just clicked along and I like from injury to kicked out with a fairly catastrophic injury was only, you know, I got hurt basically the first of June and before August long weekend, I was, I was back at the house here and never saw a doctor again since it seemed very rapid. That does seem very rapid. Yes, <laughs> I would agree. But I mean, if it worked for you, then, you know, well, and that's and so basically when I did see Nancy, I was still healing to a large degree. And Nancy is very good at what she does. And she's not afraid to ask you to put some put some effort into it. You know, we we went there because if, if Nancy even hinted to do it, I would try it. And, yeah. <laughs> and to be honest, I was a little scared till I got home. And then I was home for a week or two. And like, no, this is I got to get back there and get my get my button gear. So I've been been coming for the first two years. I basically come every every couple of weeks and would do a, mm-hmm. a late afternoon, early morning the following day just to minimize hotel stays and cut costs and stuff. And then after that, I basically decided I could spend the rest of my life beating on this, but there's got to be a balance for therapy and live a normal life and 
you know, get back to being productive and a schedule and whatnot. So I took took full time employment and have been doing that now for I think it's about fifteen months. Yeah. You made it seem like a very seamless transition through everything that you've been through. And just for myself watching it from the outside, like you said, everything just kind of clicked for you. And I'm really glad that things have worked that way for you. And that's kind of why we wanted to talk to you about your experiences. But I want to ask you about your recovery and like what that kind of looked like and, you know, how much of your life did you dedicate to it before you made that decision to like have that balance? I really thought when I got out of the hospital and got started back with Ryu that if I was tenacious and just worked and worked and worked and didn't take no for an answer, a year, maybe two, I'd be, I had visions of hiking again. I think the biggest surprise for me was the time. It it takes a long time and it takes a lot of work and you just gotta, you gotta keep going. And so I thought, well, it's, I can't just, you know, I had converted my entire garage into a gym, mimicking everything I could that Ryu had and more, trying to combine my passion for just regular weightlifting and stuff and still did as much of that as I could. But that's basically all I did for the first almost two years. And I think it it gives a person a little too much time to sit and be in your own head too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I always was pretty well adjusted and stuff, but there was, you get some pretty dark times. Yeah, that's normal for anybody going through any kind of traumatic experience. So then what was the transition like from full-time recovery to full-time work? There Again, it was just a crash. We were doing a little bit of renovations on the house and I was doing as much as I could myself. And like I'm laying floors in the basement and painting and drywalling and hanging doors and I could do everything up to the four or five foot level and Wendy would help do the rest. And I went into the hardware store and a fellow that I'd worked with for a few years in, in conjunction with my business, just as, you know, he was a vendor on the other side, said, geez, he says, I'm taking a job somewhere else. You'd be great to fill in for me. And I hadn't even really thought about it. And I give it some thought and went and talked to the, the manager of the, the facility. And two days later, I accepted a full-time job and was getting up at four in the morning to make sure my bathroom routine was all done and get to work on time. And been every day since, had one, one sick day in the last... 15 months. Wow. Yeah, it just it just seemed to click. And it's a desk job really wasn't something I ever envisioned myself doing. But right now it's it's a good fit. And it's in my area of expertise. And it's been it's been a pretty good experience. There again, it's just you can either let this beat you or you can fight back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So had that opportunity not come up, do you think you would have gone back to full time work? You know, that's a hard question. I was really wondering where everything was going to go and what I was going to do. Because I, I was, I was such a one, you know, single-sided person as far as like everything I ever did or made money with was through my hands and my back, and and I really couldn't see how to do anything else. It was it was it was a big adjustment. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about that adjustment to this different line of work. How did it go the first week back into full-time work at that new job? You know, it was actually it wasn't as bad as as I had envisioned, it's like anything. It's, it's, you make bigger obstacles in your mind almost than you do and than you really encounter in reality. One of the biggest adjustments was, was a lot of computer work. I was designing floor systems and doing estimating and takeoffs on blueprints and stuff. A bit more computer work than I'd been used to, but I adapted and took some courses and that, you know, specialized in the programs I was using. And, and actually it was, you know, not to sound cliche, but the only thing to fear was really the fear itself. Everything else kind of fell, fell into place. 
And there's a lot of satisfaction and pride comes with getting back and just being dependable and being productive and you know, mm-hmm. it makes you feel like a like a human being again because this really does kind of give you a, a clout on your on your self esteem and everything. And yeah, it gives you it gives you your purpose back. So then, now that you made this transition into full time work, where does your recovery fit into this, or does it at all? A hundred percent. It just you prioritize. You know, it's I still at work. I've got frames that I've had custom frames made so I can stand and work, and so I do sit to stands and I kick and get time. I've been, I've been standing basically since I got hurt because I knew how valuable it was. You know, they've been very accommodating. You know, there's some odd apparatuses in my office that make people wonder, but it's all, it's all part of it. And then get home from work. I, I compress my work day. I, I don't take a lunch. I don't take breaks. I just work right through. And then, so I go home, Basically, I work eight o'clock sharp to four o'clock and go home at four and I spend the next two hours in the gym doing a combination of legs and upper body stuff because the life in a wheelchair is quite hard on certain parts of your body. So many motions are repeated that you need to balance it out with strength and mobility in the other directions. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, and it's just, it's not ideal to, you know, get up at 4.30 every day. Basically, your day doesn't quit till seven at night after you're done your, your leg work and and ready to unwind mm-hmm. just to go to bed early so you can get back at her early in the morning. I think that was one of the hardest adjustments because I used to be uh, get up at seven o'clock, leave the house at seven fifteen, at the job at seven thirty, and, and that's just yeah. not possible anymore. Yeah, jumping out of bed is no is not part of no. It's life. it's not because it like well as everybody knows it affects all so many aspects of your life that you just nobody really you know, really appreciates or sees. Mm-hmm. So when you're with your days being this long, like how do you find yourself at the end of the day? Are you completely exhausted? Are you wiped? Are you like able to wake up the next day and just keep going? Like what's your, where are you at at the end of your day? I, I adapted fairly good and it's, I don't mind, I don't mind it at all. I just, I really appreciate my weekends. I don't work weekends. So mm-hmm. it's make the most of every weekend. And they've um, given me my two days a week or a month rather to go see Nancy. They don't, you know, take that out of my holidays or anything. It's just kind of part of my agreement. I get to do that and it just, you you make it work. And I feel so horrible if I don't, like my legs have gotten so accustomed to being trained and beaten, you know, work with every day Mm -hmm. that if I don't do it, you, there is a little bit of payback I get from them. So it's, it's good incentive just to, it's, it's time well spent. Mm -hmm. Explain this payback. What is that? My, my legs get twitchy and very, you know, I need to keep them somewhat tired and I'll, granted, I'm not quite as good at getting them tired as Nancy is, but I've, you know, I've got my routines and stuff and. And do you have like, do you have a lot of spasticity or do you not? A fair amount of spasticity and fairly, fairly good amount of tone. And it, it's kind of a catch 22 because the bigger and stronger and more control I get also that makes the out of control moments quite scary and quite, it, in some ways you feel almost more disabled with legs that are recovering or you're trying to make recover. It's, it's odd to say, but you see people with a complete injury or, or more that aren't really aren't working on their legs to recover them. They throw their little legs around mm-hmm. and it just, you think, gee whiz, would life be so much easier if I didn't have to fight these things? But <laughs> it's a horrible thing to be, to je- be jealous of, but yeah. So just let's touch on that a little bit. So what were your legs like in the beginning to what they are now? 
just to give a little perspective. A, a feeling and movement was virtually none in the first few weeks. The tone started, I think, already was starting by the time I first saw you, Nancy. And it mm -hmm. slowly worked up in se severity. It's probably about the same still. It's just you deal with it differently and you get used to it. You know what I mean? It's, But the, mm -hmm. the feeling, my feeling is back to 100%. I would almost consider it normal, except except mm -hmm. pain. I have all the, mm -hmm. all the reactions and all the physical parts of pain, except the actual sensation of pain, like the reflex, the, mm -hmm. the, you know, the muscle tension and just every, everything. It's just like, you know, it hurts because every part of it is there except the actual pain. And every day, like the, the work pays off because every day they get, I get a bit more control, a bit more, a bit more movement, you know, it just, it's just baby steps day after day after mm -hmm. day. Yeah. And would you say that's in part why you keep working towards that recovery? hundred percent, hundred percent. And the little shining light in the background is if nothing else, you know, even if like, cause there's no guarantees, no one knows where, how far, you know, how far I'm going to take it, how far my, it's going to, my body's going to let me take it, but mm -hmm. it keeps, keeps you healthy. It keeps my circulation going. Mm -hmm. It helps, you know, the moving and this, all that with your core and your, your, your body functions, everything pays dividends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned how you have your standing setups at work and stuff like that. So let's talk a little bit about the supports your work gave you in coming back to a full-time job. What did that look like for you? You know, they honestly really didn't do anything above and beyond it just if, if I if I asked for it it was there and other than that they granted me the space to you know in the room just to do what I needed to do you know so I had a few instruments built the standing frame I kind of designed and had a friend weld up and brought in there and I've got a worktop on it and cordless keyboard and mouse and stuff and can do my work standing and so they were really didn't do anything above and beyond as far as reaching out to me but they allowed me to do what I needed to do to be comfortable and do a good job. Mm -hmm. So you had to advocate for yourself in that scenario to get what you needed. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they wouldn't have denied me anything, but they wouldn't have given me anything unless I told them what I needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good point. And it's like any, anybody in life. I, that's one thing I really haven't found when I got hurt. I really thought my first thought was, Oh wow. The human race is really not a, not a I'm not a big fan of the entire thing. And this is just going to be real hell. And it actually did the exact opposite for me. It made me really realize that, you know, there is some really, really good people and had some, mm -hmm. had some super positive. I've got a whole new outlook on the whole world since it's happened. That's awesome. So what if you were told that you would not be able to go to back to work? How do you think that would have made you feel? And where do you think your mental state would have been? Because that is something a lot of people hear post spinal cord injury. Yeah, that would have been, you know, if I'd have been actively seeking work and getting turned down and turned away, that would have been, it wouldn't take long before that had would have a really affect you. And, but there too, it's a lot of that stuff. You just, I don't know, you can't take no for an answer to, or you got to just keep trying. Like I never got every job I ever applied for or bid on or tried to get as a, as a so-called normal person. So that kind of leads into my next question, which is what advice would you have to someone who's wanting to return to work, but is scared and skeptical about what that process might be like? It just, believe me, I was, I was not 
unscared. I was, number one, I'm dealing with the public in a, to a large degree. You've always got that in the back of your mind, like people judging you, people thinking like, oh, this, you know, it just feels sorry for you if you feel you're not capable. But at the end of the day, they did that. Everybody does that to everybody, no matter who they are, what their abilities are. So you just have to just, just suck it up and go do it. Find a fit. Keep keep trying till you find something. Cool. All right. Do you regret going back to work at the time you did? Or would you wish you would have gone back to work earlier or later? I honestly, I don't regret going at all. It's right now I'm actually thinking about maybe transitioning within the company if possible or specializing a little bit more. Like I've gained enough confidence now. I want to I branch out and do something a little bit more rewarding for me and possibly make a bit more, mm-hmm. a bit more money as well. I wish I might have went back, you know, the first year off, I think was necessary for me just to work through some things, but I think Mm -hmm. I should have went back sooner, Mm -hmm. you know, and like I say, a lot of it was just fear of the unknown. Just, you know, I was, I was safe and in my little bubble here at the house and had my routines and I could, and I guess a lot of it depends too on, because everybody that gets hurt like this, every spinal cord injury, every disease, everything, it leaves you with a different bag of tricks. So you kind of have to figure that out. I guess I, in a lot of ways, I consider myself lucky because there was a lot of a lot of things that, that I know some people deal with that I've never had to or figured out a way around. Or Do you think luck or do you think that's you making that happen? I think it's a combination. Like I say, like injury-wise, I think I could have been dealt a lot harsher hand than I, than I was. But I think also I was fairly well equipped to not accept this and keep, you know, keep making as much much improvement as I possibly could. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's why we wanted to talk to you. You always have such a great attitude, even if you're having a bad day or if you're experiencing a lot of some of the lower emotions, you always seem to have this attitude that, you know what, I'm going to get through it and I'm going to be okay. And I think that's something very admirable about you. And I feel like that, yes, every situation could always be worse, but when we have, when we take what we're given and we try to make the best of it, those things are returned back to us tenfold. And I think you are a prime example of that. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's nice. It's nice people notice your work and your, you just got to keep, keep hammering on because nobody gives you anything, you know, you have to work hard. Yeah. Fair enough. You have a motto that you live by? Nothing official. I I would just, I, I knew when this first happened, it really, the one thing that stuck to me is you can either let, let this beat you or you can, or you can conquer it. Mm-hmm. And I decided, yeah. you know, as much as the hospital stay was fairly brief, I met a lot of people that had gotten hurt and maybe even not, not so, not so much as myself, but had given up and were just mm-hmm. attitude was gone. And they were mean to staff and people and just people had nothing. These people are just there to help you. You know, that's some of the experience through the, through the first few weeks in the hospital really set my mind where I wanted to go how I wasn't going to do it. So it's more of like, this is what I don't want to be. It's, it's I'm not going to spend the rest of my life bitter and miserable. Well, like, yeah, it takes a lot of courage to, you know, make that decision. First of all, to see that, right. And to consciously make that decision to go the other way and to be productive and to actually, like we said, conquer this injury because it is a really hard injury to live with. doesn't matter how severe it is or not. Any spinal cord injury is hard to live with. It's, it's hard to describe to people. It's just you take your, your legs out of the equation and compound it with a few mm-hmm. you know, physical issues that cost you time and are comp- complex. It's even something as simple as the wheelchair I was complaining to Nancy about on the last 
you know, a couple days ago when I was in seeing her. It's, mm-hmm. it's the, the simple, most frustrating piece of equipment anyone's ever invented. It's like <laughs> trying to sit on a creeper, like a mechanics creeper, and try to do anything. <laughs> like you said to Nancy, it's, and unfortunately, this is just physics. It really has nothing to do with anything else. And getting mad and throwing stuff and screaming isn't going to help mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. You have to figure out, figure out how it works and Seven. conquer it. Yep, I agree. Do you have anything else you want to share with us about your transition back to work or like, you know, maybe how it affected your family life or, you know, it was, it was all positives, you know, it just, it, obviously like I was pretty lucky. I've got a pretty supportive partner. So Wendy's been there, was there when the accident happened was every step of the way. And that is a huge, you know, I, I know a lot of the people that I'd met too didn't have great support system and it's pretty easy to be strong, you know, in the face of someone standing behind you that's strong. So yeah, that that sure. makes a huge difference. So Yeah. And Wendy is a tough lady who has a giant heart. She she never, you know, she didn't she didn't let me feel sorry for myself and she she always was there to balance and always had my back kind of thing. And so it was it was very very proud to get back to work and start bringing home a paycheck and you know doing you know doing all the things that a couple does like doing your part well is a huge benefit for even if you're not with a part you know it's it's just made me feel so much more like myself. Mm-hmm. Well, you feel like you're contributing, right? And you're going back to some normalcy of what your life was before your spinal cord injury. Because I think a lot of the people end up feeling like every they depend on everybody. And that goes back. And I've got people now under me and people that count on me and need me. And it's a big source of pride. And mm-hmm. it makes you get to feel like you're back in the race. Yeah. All right. So with going back to work, how important was it to have a accessible vehicle for you? And then what did you do to get one? It was vital. And I had, I had a vehicle, a brand new vehicle when I got hurt. And given my injury was, you know, not to use all the terms that they throw around, but incomplete. So I was told very early, like, you may get things back, but you may not. The truck wasn't the most practical pickup for a <laughs> guy that can't walk, but I got it modified and set up and, and drive it daily. I just use it as transportation to and from work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for living in a smaller town, too, where transit is probably not the best, most accessible. Zero, zero here in the town we're in, so. Yeah, so definitely a necessity then for you. Yeah, I've got about a 25-minute drive, you know, on the highway to get to town where where my job is. So so that there, again, adds another mm-hmm. extra hour a day just in drive distance. And Dean, I guess you can probably comment to this as well, you know, as you yourself went back to work in different aspects, but for you and vehicle wise, would you say it's something that's critical for you as well? Um, Yeah, for me, for sure. I haven't taken public transportation since I went to Nate in the year 2000. (laughs) (laughs) And like there was public transportation by my old house. There isn't here where I live now. But just living in a winter city, I just found it's doable. We know a lot of people who take public transportation, but for myself, I was just, it was much more convenient for me to drive. Uh, ended up using the DRES grant. It's disability, disability Related Employment Services grant, I believe. Don't quote me on that. Um, but they will help you either purchase, not they won't pay for the actual vehicle, but they'll pay for any adaptations done to your vehicle. 
And they will also pay for, say, if you get a job and your bathroom isn't accessible or the doorway into that building isn't accessible, they will also use that money to um, help make any office or job accessible uh, for the person so that those aren't barriers that the company has to face or that person individually. And Mm -hmm. having this SUV that I have now with all the adaptations, it's so much easier on my arms. Um, It's better for me that I can, you know, take all the laundry back and forth to you and home. (laughs) And actually uh, that's my, my vehicle was modified by the Alberta government, a program that was designed to get people after injury back to work. Yeah. I believe it allowed up to $40,000 for work. And I believe they would also consider purchasing the vehicle too. If you, you have to apply and, you know, work with a representative, but it was, it was very seamless and worked great. Yeah, no, we're really lucky in Alberta to have such grants available to us. Yeah. They won't pay for the purchase of the vehicle. I tried. They said no. (laughs) Just to hear different, everybody's got a different little different twist on it, but, but they, they did definitely pay for all the modifications to my truck. So, and it, and it wasn't cheap. The Mm -hmm. medical equipment industry is, is not afraid to charge for, you know, the products that we need. Yeah. Agreed. But it does make something that, you know, finding going back to work, it does make it an incentive to people and to employers as well, right? Because if the government's like, hey, we'll pay for this adaptation for you, we'll make it accessible if you hire this person with a disability. It just, it makes the cogs of the wheel spin a little bit easier. All right. So now that you're working, is there anything you wish you would have done while you weren't working? Either Bean or Marvin, both of you. So is there anything you wish you would have done while you weren't working? You know, I can't really think of anything. Like I, I was always not afraid to try things. Like it's, it's, and as as I get more and more leg strength and function, and you know things things are kind of coming around. Like I, I do some ridiculous things that people just look like is this guy in a wheelchair. What is he doing? <laughs> but, <laughs> well, there's a reason why we call you the beast. <laughs> well, we got recently sold the, the our trailer and bought a, a motorhome. So now I crawl up the stairs of the motorhome and get in and we take that all over the place. Jump down, you know, slide on your bum down the stairs and throw your wheelchair out and get in your wheelchair and go away. It's kind of a conversation <laughs> starter, if nothing else. And for myself, I guess, like, I like the same thing with Marvin. I tried a lot of things before going back to work. Lots of things that I never would have even tried as an able-bodied person. So I feel like I did get to experience a lot of things. One thing that I do regret is when we did open Ryu and things really got going, like, fast. I, I put myself, my self-care and my recovery on the back burner so I could help other people and make sure help Ryu grow and stuff. And um, that's something that I do regret because I wish I would have just kept working the way I had been working and I would have avoided half the stuff that I've gone through now. But I mean, all you can do is just hop back on that train and just keep going. When you say put stuff on the back burner, what, what are you talking about? I'm talking about my own personal mental and physical health right? I um, didn't know how to transition from full-time recovery to full-time work. And luckily for us, it was kind of a slower transition. But when things started to get really busy with Ryu, I started to prioritize that in front of my personal recovery. And my spasticity got worse. My um, asymmetry got worse in my abs, pulling my pelvis out of alignment. And now, you know, it's a few years later and 
I've, you know, jumped back on the recovery train hard, like last year. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I've fixed a lot of the things that have regressed, but you know, it just, you can't help but think like, if I had just continued that for those two years that I stopped, like I would be so much further along, Mm -hmm. but this is life. Marvin, you were in that, you know, state in the hospital when you are talking to you about work and stuff like that. Like, how would you advise somebody who's in that position right now? Well, like I said, the, the biggest thing is you're bombarded with so much, so much negativity, so much surprise, so much fear. To think about going back to work is just it compounds it. You, you do need a little, a little bit of time to adjust, but also don't get too comfortable in that in that little world, in your little realm. Because it, it'll it'll keep you there like a prison. You've got to just strike out and just make things, you know, get back into it. Yeah, so I think it goes back to what you are saying earlier, Marvin, about uh, the balance, right? You need to, to balance, you know, work and your recovery. And that's it. It's just everybody everybody else has to work and f- figure it out and make, you know, kids and life and everything fit. And we've just got a few different <laughs> different things to consider than a lot of people do. So we just, there's a way to make it fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you access any other resources aside from the Dres grant going back to work or? No, zero. Do you think it would have been more beneficial to have a mentor for you going back to work too? Would that have potentially made it easier to go back to work? Yes. And actually I kind of, like, I always wasn't afraid to talk to people or, you know, quiz people that I, was it, was it Tyler had, was, mm-hmm. uh, was working at the sheet metal company and stuff. And he was he's the one that told me about the Dres program and kind of told me, give me some contact names and, you know, and he was going back and forth to work and making it fit. And, you know, he didn't, wasn't, it wasn't ideal or fun, but he was making it work. So he was, he was a bit of an inspiration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely would have helped to have someone like that to talk to anyone with a little experience at all. You can take what you mm-hmm. take, what you want from a bunch of different resources and, and mm-hmm. make your plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always nice to see what other people have done and le- learn from their mistakes. And successes, too. Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel like you had more to prove going back uh, after a spinal cord injury? Yeah, and it really had no basis in reality. But I, you always feel like you've got something more to prove because they're going to be looking at you like you aren't. You're going to have some extra baggage and aren't going to be able to do some things as good as other people. And, you know, you're going to be late. You're going to be this. You're going to... So I, I think it was probably more in my own head, but I, I never honestly encountered anything like that. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely, it was in the back of your head. Mm-hmm. So at what point did that kind of subside and go away for you? You know, it, it, it lessened even very quickly in the first first few weeks, but mm-hmm. it honestly, it has never, never went away. It, it's, it still, it still mm-hmm. lurks there. Now, would you say that's now more a part of your ambition to move up and progress your career? I would think so. And it's, it's not like I've got, you know, anything to prove just in spite of this, but it's, is also you gain your confidence and you get your fire back. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, now I'm doing this and I want, I want something different. And I'm so, I'll, you know, put together a plan and make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next for Marvin? Well, and, and, and nothing, like I say, nothing specific. Like they've been very good to me, but I would like to maybe, branch out and try something a bit more specialized, a little more honed, you know, to my, to some of the skills that I've developed over the years in, in construction. And, and if I can do it there, great. If, if not, I, you know, I'd even look, look at moving beyond, which is a straight result of just, you know, getting back into it and getting your confidence back. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks Marvin. This is a great conversation and we, you know, 
uh, thank you for being open and honest about your story and your experiences of going back to work. We wish you nothing but the best moving forward. If you want to keep up with Marvin, he'll be on our Instagram every few weeks, I'm thinking, right? Or every month. Yeah, yeah, once a month now. But yeah, thank you very much for having me. And and if I anybody's got any questions or wants to ask me anything at all, just contact Nancy or Bean and they'll get you my contact information. I'd be willing to talk to anybody. Okay, sweet. Yeah, thanks, Marvin. We really appreciate that. Thanks again for being a guest on our podcast. And we yeah, wish you nothing but the best. Stay tuned for another episode of Rambling with Ryu coming at you in two weeks.